Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. But that guy is still asleep. Today, you're going to be talking to Chris. Hello. And I also have with me a very special guest for today's show. Uh, the character's name is Ravadi from the VAR. And, well, Becca, I'll let you introduce yourself now. Um, yeah, I'm Becca. I uh, OC. I'm a student. Uh, and I see I play Rivali Founders Dance, uh, a thorn sort of uh, researcher, but well, the lawn researcher, um, playing the bar. Uh, uh, has been described as a battle librarian. <laughs> um, yeah. We say battle librarian. Is this like beating people over the head with a with a book? Or um... Um, I I feel it. Sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I have, yeah. I think I think at the the last event, it did sort of, it, it did not quite come to being a met a metaphorical beating them over the head with a book. I think uh, it might turn physical at some point. You never know. I I've I've seen a few like LARP safe bricks and frying pans. I'm I'm sure a book isn't beyond the realm of uh, reality. <laughs> seen some LARP safe books too. Fair. <laughs> uh, I've seen LARP safe turnips. Those are great. Yeah, have you have you seen the um the murder pies and the murder fruit? Yeah, with the knives in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I I just um oh did you go to um was it what's your game up in Gloucester? I didn't know. Says... No, because uh, it's um Goblin Workshop that do those. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um some of them they they go to some other LARPs that I go to, and I've seen them. Uh, I've seen some of their their stuff. It's really good. Yeah, I, I when I first saw it, because you know, not aware of knives and fruits, you know, it's not, <laughs> not, not quite a daily occurrence. Um, but I went in thinking, oh, that's cool, like a lap safe carrot. Like I'll just tuck that in my oh, pocket. Yeah, the carrots. Yeah, and then I tucked the top off it, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> just a blade. I'm like, give it to me, please. <laughs> this is great. I got a, a a pork pie for my brother, and he again, he had no idea what it was so he, he, he this was his for his birthday he unwrapped it and he was like oh chris it's a larp safe pork pie like why have you done this to me and i was like just just pull out a slice and he did <laughs> knife and he was like i get it i get it <laughs> <laughs> but that's mint yeah so you know thank you so much for uh, joining me today um and for those of you listening in the the idea of today's episode is we haven't got a like a hots or nots or a, a particular event to dissect what we have is a character to dissect i suppose maybe dissect is not the right word uh interview interview uh mm -hmm. skipping over the carrots and the blades and just to briefly go over some of the questions i'm going to ask you so you've got some <laughs> a small amount of prep time uh basically so ban slash myself uh, Ravadi and I have only interacted briefly at a few player events and yeah. at E1 this year, but I have heard a lot about you on the oh, Grapevine, yeah. on the Facebook Vine, um, even just mentioned your name being mentioned around the field as well. So I thought, hello, we have an up-and-coming person of import. Let's uh, let's grab them before they get too busy and too famous. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's we're gonna with. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go for it. No, I was just saying, it just seems weird to, you know, when you hear your character being described like that. Um, it's very, very wild. <laughs> I don't know if I would describe him like that. I'd, no. 
but it's uh, it's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Do you feel like, I, I guess to paraphrase it, your your character is famous. Does it feel that way for you? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it's not. See, I don't know where this idea came from about my character being famous. Um, because I certainly didn't hear about any of it at the event, and this is, it's, but it is a bit wild to sort of. I don't know. I, I I don't consider them too famous. They they certainly don't consider them too famous. I think the only thing that they're I think one of their actions at the last event got around fairly quickly in the gossip chains. Um The thing that we shall not mention. Uh <laughs> I don't think uh not f- uh I think I think I think a lot of, I think it's something a lot of people have heard about, not necessarily about who, but also um, there's a lot of stuff being said about it that Rivadi just isn't that fussed about correcting, uh, and it's just like, let's move on now, please. <laughs> let's just move on. Has it hit the, I guess, the critical mass of any gossip in Anvil where the story has become blown out of proportion, wildly oh, okay. inaccurate? Oh, it, it, it became blown out of proportion basic, and wildly inaccurate basically instantly. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think the evening it happened, like an hour after, I had people coming up to Rivadi and being like, what are you doing, toilet jobber? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, excuse sorry. me, citizen. <laughs> sorry, sorry, what are you saying? What? And, and I was like, oh, really? Is that the story that's gone around? That's fine. <laughs> so you find out that Rivadi is being accused and also hailed as the hero of the hub after 54,000 whites were slain single-handedly and at the same time four innocent imperial citizens were crushed by falling portaloos and also your yeah. fault or something like that. Oh, it's, uh... it's, it's, all, it's all my fault, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very silly. Um, but it's, it's, that's how, that's how, it's, it's a lot the the story i found myself saying a lot is that it's a lot easier to tell that sort of story than to tell the truth you know like or to tell rivadi's truth of the matter right mm. it's a lot easier to tell the story of some navari in the dark doing a toilet jobbing than it is to tell of the actual story um so of course that story is going to spread a lot faster than a different one. Oh yeah the legend will spread oh the legend yes uh, <laughs> can't believe but right into the stereotype my first event though. Oh, is is this the is this the uh, so what was the quote on the Discord? The um, crayon faced mur- murder monkeys. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's 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 a phrase we try and not live up to. Um, but it's a phrase that likes to get passed around. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I guess you know almost any nation could be a crayon faced murder monkey. Um, under oh. certain circumstances, but. Uh, yeah. The only nation that paints our face. Yeah, I mean, not the only nation who kills people. Well, not kills, but gets in trouble. I mean, the marchers seem to get in their fair share of um, dastardly plans around uh, around the anvil field. Yeah, true. They definitely do. Yeah, I'd love to continue that list, but at least from what I've seen in play, it is always the marchers. There was every time someone has been extorted, intimidated, robbed, or otherwise, I'm like, was it White Cap? Maybe. Was it from the marchers? Almost certainly. And... You, realize, you realize, like, this is incredibly ironic coming from two people. Well, from us two out of everyone. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Irony. <laughs> Gosh, no idea. 
so we can't exactly judge people. But... I, I feel like having we've crossed both divides of the legal and perhaps illegal side of things, despite what you know I think. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I am the protagonist and hero of Empire, but uh, almost nobody agrees. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and change that. But uh, maybe to uh, <laughs> leave, leave behind the, I guess, the uh, the Navari tropes for maybe later on in the episode. The, the key questions I wanted to ask you today was first around, and uh, I guess your, not quite your origin or your backstory, but more about that uh, you, essentially you started playing player events before you actually came to a main Anvil event. And now you've had one of those under your belt now, I was going to ask you like, what's your you know, your opinion of having tried both sides. And then after that, I wanted to cover, you know, what got you into LARP in the first place. That is, I guess, kind of the the OG origin story. And then um, you also have some phenomenal costumes and some design work that you've done for some of your characters. And I believe you do commissions in a life now. So wanted to kind of praise you for that and also see, you know, what inspires you or what kind of, I guess, um, creative patterns you have uh, to get the kind of work because I'm jealous, basically. And then, <laughs> and then inevitably we'll, we'll go across some of the events where we've walked into each other, like QGIT, uh, Walk the Longest Path, and also, you know, maybe a few hots and knots from E1 as well. So maybe from that, from that entirely random list, uh, it's nothing particular for today, but all about you. <laughs> Uh, this is it's a it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, some people that know me, I fucking like hate being the centre of attention. Uh, fucking yeah. So it 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 always makes it a bit weird. Sorry. Um, That's fine. But in terms of like Rivadi, I think it's quite easy for someone to see Rivadi as just the E one sort of person. Um, but like Jesus Christ. Like my first player event, um, the difference is like night and day. Um, as I think with S, with every person's but like first LARP character or first LARP experience, um, I I basically went to my first. I think my first player event. What it was a, um, it was at the uh, I LARP site with uh, Feast Your Eyes, mm. um, and it was the um, Wayhouse uh, Wayhouse at the crossroads to everywhere. Um, one of their sort of just social hangouts, basically just two evenings events, um, and I went to that and I was plain old Dornish Rivardi, I think. Um, I it was yeah first time first time in an Anvil like if, sorry first time in an Empire setting. Uh-huh. Um, but also. Um, that folks first time playing the first character, first time playing the character, mm. and I think I think came into it with a very, like I knew, I wanted to move the character over to Navarre. I didn't know anything about the other nations. I knew, oh, actually no, sorry, I knew about Dawn and Navarre. Um, in fact, I think I, bef- the day before the event, I read back up on Dawn because I've been reading too much of Navarre. <laughs> um, that egregore like, change really get into your brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I and I basically sort of sat there and was like right okay I'm going to play Dawn as much as I can I'll just play a standard Dawnish yo folk with 
like standard dreams of like wanting to become a noble nothing too specific um uh and and i think i had like and i had a favorite virtue and i knew sort of a bit about the characters motivations and why they were coming to anvil nice like i think that's what like most people start with that's a that's a pretty good start um yeah my my personal one was um my brother i mentioned previously uh he said hey chris because i i used to work at games workshop um <laughs> the exact quote was hey chris you hang out with a bunch of nerds i want to go larping can you go and ask if any of them go so i walk into work <laughs> that day and i say hey guys I, I repeat the exact line and then one of the guys turns around and goes yeah i'm going in two weeks do you want some tickets and, and that's that's how i got into larping um i turned up just not sure what to expect um not dressed well, no character idea, hadn't read the wiki. I turned up and had a few drinks and a, and a good time. So I think yeah. your approach, much more professional, much more well, uh, again, prepared. <laughs> again, at this point, I'd been waiting for a year and a few months. This was this was me. This was a year after I decided to I decided I was going to Empire and started making kit and started looking into the wiki. At this point, this player run was. Gotcha. Um, and had you done LARPing before? Uh, before Empire, or was this? like your um, first step into it uh i had played a, a home game a few years prior um but nothing no basically no um a, a home game sorry i played a um so my friends i went to a birthday party once and then they were like hey we're, go we're, we're laughing tomorrow do you want to stay over and do some laughing and i'm like sure i'll stay <laughs> sure and then and yeah it was it was good fun but i i never really knew how to get more into it um but then, yeah, and then when I was at uni, um, so two years ago, uh, friends, the group of us decided that we that we group of us that were just like sort of playing D and D online. A, a group of us were like, hey, we're like, hey, we're gonna get into laughing. Oh, fantastic! Uh, so, and then I think the group, the group, the big group, we decided between three different nations. And I think it was Wintermark, Brass Coast, and Dawn. And I sort of looked around and I sort of was like, hey, the Dawn group, the Dawn group, I kind of you know get along with. I know them, I know them the most out of everyone. So I was like, yeah. I'll It'll be Dornish. Fantastic. Um, so you'd had some experience with sort of role-playing games from D and D side, and would you say yeah. that LARP is kind of the next, the next natural step for any, you know, prospective D and D player? Um, yeah, I think, I think the thing, I think I don't, so I don't play like online role-play or or, or or tabletop role-play anymore. Um, I kind of burnt myself out of it. Mm. Um, on it like a while ago. Um, I think actually LARP kind of murdered my my tabletop role playing <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, got, I was like man i want to you know i want to dress up and, and swing swords and, and be the person i don't want to sit at the table anymore was that um, after you did that really kick in after you'd had one event to kind of taste it or no, did it not, kick in before not even that. I, no i i'm too fair i no i burnt myself out on tabletop before i properly got into laughing gotcha um, but i think the fact that i found laughing kind of filled that void and uh, made it made it a lot cooler. Um, but yeah, I I I I wouldn't really compare. I think they're just different mediums because my role my tabletop role playing experience is completely different to, to any LARP role play. Completely different. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, especially, I guess, um, what was the right term? Fest LARPs like Empire, um, yeah. like with tabletop D and you know tabletop. So it's kind of scale of game you are the hero and you know your dm make sure that you you know that reality kind of comes true 
Uh, unless you're playing like The Witcher or something, in which case you lose your arm uh, in the first <laughs> 30 minutes, Sol. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> you see. But, um, sorry, <clears throat> not salty at all yes. about that. Not salty at all. Um, but yeah, you turn, up at, you turn up at Empire and you're just someone. You're, you're, you're a civilian on the streets and you, you kind of get to make your own fortune. And it's that wonderful element of, that. yeah, it's that escapism and building something great rather than, oh, I'm already a super powerful warrior or a, you know, incredibly powerful wizard. You've got to sit there and scrape your way through the march of mud uh, towards the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally like love just uh, it's and especially Empire. Empire is just because this just because the scale of it is just massive. You and like now, like seeing after Yvonne the like the influences we're gonna have on the game moving forwards. It's it's very exciting to see like this world move along with the players and like hearing about decisions the player made and then it move along is just it's so good. So yeah, especially when um I think some of the winds of fortune or the winds of war are oh, out yeah, now. Yeah, two winds of war just came out. Yeah. Yeah, those are uh... dates for the people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> the um like just seeing these kind of like you just said the um big macro scale changes on the map all of those have you know let alone the people who take the field and battle for that outcome but also all of the off battlefield actions going on there's probably a hundred people behind each of these winds of war in some you know moderate to major aspect you've got generals of course with you know army movements but they'll have runners they'll be talking to senators all of them will have adjutants they'll and all those other adjutants will have um i guess brokers behind it you might have people politically trading for certain favors just their mates yeah just yeah. Their, their friends helping them out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah crazy crazy amount of depth it's you know you're totally right it's it's awesome to see to have so much freedom and at the same time that satisfaction i, I don't know if you get it but um the satisfaction of when you have an impact on something anything even if it's something quite small you you've got the knowledge that you've crafted that from the beginning and uh yeah Kind of like growing plants, I guess, but far more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, um, see, I guess uh, sorry, that was quite a uh, quite a segue. The first question was actually going to be, um, it, I've, I've oversimplified this on my notes here, but do you prefer large events like E1 or smaller player events? And <laughs> you don't have to say yes or no because that was a hard question to answer. <laughs> um. I don't think I don't think you can prefer one or the other, right? Is that because towards because I went to a lot of player events, um, and I've also been to smaller scale LARPs, um, and small scale LARPs and player events are great in that you get amazing character developing interpersonal role play with people, like Roddy's Roddy's closest friends are people that they've been to multiple player events with and had deep and meaningful conversations with. Mm. Um, in fact, um, uh, and like had some really good shorter moments at Anvil that really had defined those relationships further um, at Anvil, but you don't really, unless you purposely set a lot of time aside to do it I don't feel like at least I didn't really have 
time to do that at the last event. But I did with player events. I did. It was all just leading up to the big anvil event mm. because anything I wanted to do had to wait for it. And towards the end of the player events, it was just being like, I've said this. I've do- I've done the same spiel for the past five events. Uh, now I need to actually like like can I please just move it along now? <laughs> the plot. Can I need to turn the page. Like, can we please turn the page? Exactly. Like you can you can analyze two pages of writing as much as like uh, two pages of a book as much as you want, but at some point you got to shift it along. Oh yeah. Um, and and fucking Anvil is oh amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. How how did it feel walking on? Uh, I, I guess two two questions here. The first is how did it feel walking onto the field, the sort of OC, like you know, parking up, unpacking your tent, and realizing just how big the place was. And then the second is how did it feel, you know, at six o'clock, snap, time in. And like, how, how did those two moments feel? It's gonna sound weird, but it is something that's shared with a few of us new players that have been online for like in, in, and talking to people about this for two years um i did a walk around site and was like huh that's smaller than i expected <laughs> i'm not lying nice this is, a number of us new players had the same sort of because every, it was always bigged up to us constantly like oh it takes half an hour to walk around site <laughs> um uh, um, and for some people it might, but I, I, I absolutely like I like being on site with all the tents set up and like sort of being like, oh, that's the marcher, that's Varushka, that's 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 the league. Like walking into Navarre Woods, seeing songs and stories, um, and then like you know like walk into the hub, mm. um, like through the Sentinel Gate, um just oh amazing experience in terms of time in um when time in hit it was a fairly natural transition for me okay i had basically it was a sort of wait pausing as soon as time in it's like i go i go go. don't stop (laughs) don't stop moving um for me mainly uh uh because i kind of had like i knew what i wanted to get into this is, this is something that helped me with the player events is that I knew I'd already I'd been able to test the parts of the game I liked test and like put like toes in the water of different other parts and then basically I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I hit the field gotcha. so when I hit the field I actually went and bought some information um, it had the information that I was that I had predicted and was like great paid the information uh, made a copy. Um, so for context, it was the Siren Grave information. The Siren Grave. Um, oh, okay, sorry. Then, keep going, but I'll ask you about that in a second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, the Siren Grave information, and then as soon as I got it, ran back, went straight back up to the Vast Camp. Standing had already started. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm late. <laughs> um, and sort of weasel my way in and sort of get Brennan's attention because I'd spoken to him at a player event and was like, hey, I've got some information to kind of announce. And then they put me on to, like, they were like, you're next on the list, announce this sort of thing. And mm. then I sort of announced the nation um, at the 
first standing about Sarangrave, um, which was kind of a like I, there I've got two major highlights of the last event of of V one, and it was that time in moment for me. Oh, um, okay. Sort of be like, this is me in the nation. Hi, I am here. Um, but also it for for the character perspective, it was basically a. This information is here now. Navarre and all of Navarre need to know this, which is why it was a standing announcement rather than a council's announcement. Announcement. <coughs> um, so Navarre have like you know like the people listening. Uh, they have <laughs> different councils that you can go to after our main national meeting. Um, but I in this decision, it, for, as a character, it was like no Navarre need to know this information. And I don't feel too bad sharing it now because it's on the wiki. Um, but it was the location of the last forlorn heart. Oh, the last, the the last, the location of the last forlorn heart. Um, and being able to announce that because it's quite a like heart wrenching moment to for Navarre, at least it was for me uh, as a <laughs> someone who was heavily involved in the forlorn research stuff. Um, to be like. We now know where all of the Torino officials were. We have their locations, and this is the last forlorn heart. But there won't, like, you know. And that was quite cool to be like, this is where it is. This is some basic information on it. Come talk to me about it afterwards if you want. Um, and then like, and then that was that was my event. That was that kicked off my event, and it was <laughs> it was really cool. But I didn't really have like the problem. Of like getting into character because yeah, I'd had a lot of practice at other events. Um, yeah, an RP veteran at uh, at this point. <laughs> so with Saren Grave and that final Valorn Heart. So I might be jumping ahead of myself here. If we hunt that down and kill it off on top of the ones we already know about, yeah. are we done? Is it GG Valorn? You lost. Um, nice try. Uh, no. Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to, you know, you have to get rid of all of them. Um, and uh, uh, the locations of all of them are, are all on the wiki now. Yeah, because there's uh, one. If you, there's, know, if you know where to look. There's a um, deep one in Axos, isn't there? Um, uh, the Axie have one, and um, and the the Soul have one. Oh, I did not know that actually. Ah. Um, so um, we've got we've got four. <laughs> I just sort of had to do the had to do the mental math. I'm like I was like oh please second yeah. answer's up. <laughs> uh, we've got four. We've got four. Yeah, it just because um, we've uh, got five territories, but only one of them is okay. So it's we've got the most land out of all of the imperial nations, but the <laughs> least control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, 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 there's four balloon hearts. The, the empire has in its general vicinity. Um, there's the one in Sarin Grave. There's the one in Axos, and there's the one in Saul's territory. Um, there were eight originally. Well, I feel like I should shut up. Uh, no, that's right. I mean, it's uh, it's on the wiki, right? I mean, half the, uh, that, the yeah. I think the, the the locations now are all on the wiki if you know where to look. Mm. Um, uh, in terms of other information. Um, you have to come and talk to me and play. Ooh, tantalising. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or talk to my research partner, you know. Yeah, so I, I've been dying to ask, actually, what mm -hmm. 
got you into the Vlorn? Because are, are you going for Lidris? Because we were talking about this at uh, Walk Along This Path. You're going yeah. for the position, aren't you? For the advisor on the Vlorn? Is that the right way to say it? Um, uh, yes, yeah, so the advisor on the Vlorn position is now is now um, uh, vacant. Um, talked about it a lot at Walk Along This Path. Um, I feel like I need to keep that stuff to myself. Because uh, I talk gotcha. about it a lot at Walk Along This Path. Um, and Rivadi is very conflicted. Um, not about the position, but about their loyalties to their friend, um, who is also going for the position. Ah, oh, Shane, this is a podcast. I've got a mischievous smile on my face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, on, a, on an OC point, um, what got you interested in, like, um, I guess to like give an example, so some people turn up to Empire because they enjoy the idea of going to the big battle, or some of them want to be, uh, you know, run a shop or a brewery, and it's it's an opportunity to do so. Of course, you know, senators want to try out almost like being in real life politics, but without the skullduggery that goes with it, yeah. ish. Um, the real skullduggery that goes with it. Um, what pulled you into the like liking for Lorne? Is it because they're cool ass plant zombies and they're they're fun um, to kill? I honestly stumbled into it in play. Oh, interesting. Um, which was at my first ever player event, uh, an off-handed comment from an Arizani. Um, uh, now has just spiraled out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, off-handed comment um, about a uh, synod motion, um, and a very a very prevalent synod motion, um, and. Then, since then we went to a player event um, where we investigated some stuff, and we were like, "Uh huh, this this complicates matters." And then from then it was sort of Becca OC going through all the historical researches oh, yeah. on the wiki, and basically learning as much on the wiki as possible about the Valorn. Nice. I'll, um, I'll have to get you to. Uh do one of my episodes for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um basically yeah so then going through the the wiki and researching all that stuff oc and then basically having everybody go through like the castellan libraries because uh, they were still dornish at the time um, oh gotcha and, yep and that was and that was kind of because i knew i wanted to move everybody from dawn to navarre um i mean actually but... we're you know green is this year's color so <laughs> um but I, so I so I see making that change was basically kind of railroading Rivadi down it, but Rivadi having that realization um, about the Valorn and researching it because you can research you can be interested in the Valorn from a Dornish perspective, right? But your motivations for doing so kind of shapes who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and Rivadi went to a play event, um, a Dornish um, castle. Uh, party um, hosted by the Rondals and the, the, the and the Decodifers, um, and a lot of people there were like talking to Rivadi about it and being like, "Oh, you should request your t you should request your test of metal," and having that realization in character that I'm not doing this for glory. I think was the line for Rivadi that was like, "Fuck." <laughs> Every single noble turns. So it's you know like in horror film, the next spin ninety loud. degrees. So Rivadi didn't say that out loud. 
Oh, phew. That weird, like, interior thing that was, like... Because Rivadi was, like, flustered and was, and, like, was conflicted being, like, fuck, I need to make a really good impression for my house because I'm, like, wearing their colours. I need to... I need to... Um, represent them well i can't make a fool of myself i can't spread drama about the house so i have to give a dawnish response and really field out a dawnish response but then went and spoke to an avari about it and was like fuck <laughs> i'm not doing this for glory why what is going on and having that like conflict was super fun to play out and then uh and then i was meant to go to the vlawn symposium which was after that event um, oh, that was yeah, another player event, and that was meant to be like the final, yeah, the, fi- the final nail in the coffin where I got where we already got the book, the lawn, the lawn book. It was in February. Um, I didn't go to that event because I got COVID. Oh no. Um, uh, I got the book and I wrote in the book. It has a slot for your name, and I wrote Vadi Watcher of House Castellan, and that's like the last time I see that the name got used. Oh. Because after that, after reading the book, and there's because there's a lot in that book. Um about Navarre's history about and that I talked to you about Warts Manor's past because mm-hmm. that stuff I think is very much by and die in play yep. um, oh yeah I mean you saw my eyes so I was like what <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yeah um, uh, that stuff basically was like I need to be Navari. Um and then sort of then did a couple of events sort of like playing out the Egregore change um at this point, I was yeah, kind of getting like, fuck, please, can we just have an anvil event so I can actually <laughs> research this stuff? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it was just... It was just uh, Quite a where proof. Did, where did this tangent start? I, I, th- <laughs> I think I was asking, uh, just asking about the... I have no idea. <laughs> um, uh, basically. Yeah. So yeah. You, you were presented with quite a profound decision uh, before oh. jumping over to us. Sorry, that's. <laughs> um, I guess final question on the forlorn. Uh, how was it to go on a skirmish against them at uh, at Anvil? So, I led my first skirmish. I went through the Sentinel Gate. You did. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was quite. Um, it was great. Um, I think the skirmish went. I I mean the how the skirmish went. Uh, we had a. I had a discussions with like the other people and like like had a sort of debrief with the other skirmish captains in Navarre and some other people at the skirmish um and the other skirmish captains that were on the on the skirmish um fairly happy very happy with how the skirmish went because I especially in comparison to some of the skirmishes that went on at the last summit yep um I uh loved it I um had done some skirmishes at player at like some combat player events which includes quiet glade um and uh shadow um which were which were very heavy on the on the skirmishes so i was used to like the combat rules and fighting and stuff and had like i'd led a few skirmishes prior um and so i was fairly confident with that part i think um going into it was excited um i was very confident in the premise of the skirmish so it was against um uh a lot of urzani cultists was he, um, is it Green Spire? Or? It was Green Fountain Fire. Green Fountain Fire, that was it. Green, there, there, there were a number of Yonagra cultists um, encouraging the Valorn uh, into doing shit. Um, and also 
for casting weird rituals and stuff. So I had a lovely time on that skirmish with my bow, one-shotting mages. <laughs> <laughs> the nat <laughs> Archer's the natural predator of Urizen, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it helped with that because I have a like fairly strong contacts in, in Urizen with, the, with some sentinels in Urizen. So um, getting it sorted from, the, getting the skirmish sorted from the Urizen perspective um, the skirmish itself, um, I didn't actually get to do too much fighting of the lawn because I was mainly trying to coordinate people. Um, but yeah, great time. We had dryads, ether caps. Um, They're spooky, aren't they? And, and husks. Oh, I love the ether caps. I've seen, I've, I've, I've fought, I fought some dryads, and the, the dryads are spooky. Mm. Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, lovely husks as well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's always the uh, it's the white hood and the vines with the little uh, I guess it's almost like a draugr mask just on their eyes and the, the top of their nose. But it's so effective, you know, as oh, a as a group of them come at you, it's it's terrifying, especially so, at night. Ooh. Yeah. Oh man. I I so from an OC perspective, um, the thing that got me to move to the bar, and was was people showing me pictures of the lawn. <laughs> And it was genuinely when I was debating leaving Dawn for an OC perspective, I, I, I it was the pictures of the, of the Valorn and I was like, crap, that shit's scary. It's, I think there's, is there one on the wiki that, it, there's, one thing I noticed we didn't have this event was some of the miasma. We didn't uh, have any miasma. Yeah, which is a little bit of a shame because it adds a lot of depth to it, but I guess it yeah, makes it sense for the geographical areas we were in. Yeah. But yeah. the, um, there's a really good picture on the wiki of this. Uh, I think it's one of the dryads, kind of just poking its head around a tree, and there's some gas oh, in the background. Smoking. Yeah, yeah it's all. Yeah. The, uh, we had um, because the first time we came across those dryad suits was maybe about a year before COVID, and oh really? Was it that soon? That, they're relatively recent. Yeah. Oh, mad. Yeah, and, and the etcaps are even more recent than that. So we had originally it was um, you know, I'd say just husks in, you know, air quotations. Um, mm. There is an Ent costume. I don't know how old that is, but like a mm. like a proper Lord of the Rings tree what, yeah, person, yeah. and just it's like it's it's quite tall and skinny, and it looks really creepy. And there was one skirmish we went on years ago, and it just strode out of the mist, and we were like, uh like <laughs> our, our blood ran cold. There's about fifteen of us. Uh, this was with Black Scar actually, and we we're like. Nah, we're fucked. <laughs> we're so, and it start. It swings its arms at kind of waist height, and it's got impale and strike down as a standard attack. So it hit me, yeah. and I, I folded like a like a taco and just dropped, <laughs> and it, it just started just stomping its way through our through our company, and we we fled. We all fled. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, we fled yeah. off the skirmish. It's hardcore. Um, have you seen drums? Have you seen a uh, drumstick beetle? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, drumstick beetle is not not giving it the respect it deserves, but it's a beetle that has like a large pair of maces, and it's about like <gasps> eight foot tall or so. It's basically like a mega cap, and oh. again, miasma smoke. It's incredible how close these these fuckers can get <laughs> without noticing them. <laughs> you're sat there with your spear, and you're like, oh wow, the stick is not pointy enough for that thing, as it comes in and starts bonking people, and they just <laughs> drop. Um. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, the dryads are pretty good. The the first time I... Sorry, that was my point. Uh, the first time I fought against them, whoever was crewing them did a fantastic job because they did kind of throaty, banshee scream or wail. 
um, just from hiding in the woods, and we were it, this was like a dusk skirmish, and we were all getting really creeped out. It was a scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, I wanna. Yeah, I definitely. I needed. I was a bit sad that I was too busy running around at the last event to get on any more skirmishes, because um, you know I wanted to throw myself on the on a on on some of those night skirmishes. Mm. Um, but uh, I mean, Friday night I was busy in the hub. Uh, and Saturday night, I was busy on trial. Uh, so <laughs> busy doing something in the hub with the militia. Not illegal. Um, not, uh, illegal, yes. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the rest of it's done at play. <laughs> I happened to be uh, near the port of these, and I was holding a knife, uh, but nothing else happened. <laughs> and, um... Oh, what, what was I going to ask? It was, um... Floor on the skirmishes, that was it. How tough they were. I've got to say, from, uh, but, you know, this was your, your first time in Anvil. Like, yeah. skirmishes are usually a bit tougher than the main sort of Saturday and Sunday battles. Yeah. But yeah, they, they were, the Valorant skirmishes were tough this event. I don't think a single one succeeded. I think so. Um, one of them was a complete success, mine was a partial success. Oh, nice! Um, I had no idea. Uh, the, Fantastic. The other, two, the other two I heard were a bit, um, not, uh, kind of like very overwhelmed very quickly, uh, from what I've heard about the other from the other two, um, and yeah, coming back from the, like because my so mine was the last of the Valorn skirmishes, and so I was just hearing about everything that was going on with those, and I was like, damn, I need to be on my game, um, and I think, I think yeah, I was really happy with what happened on ours. It could have happened better, but obviously that's between me and the, the skirmish captains where we, you know, exchange feedback and stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, um, you know, sort of, I, I guess I see your, con I, I, and also OC as well, you know, you're concerned, these people come through and like, oh, that's really tough, that's really tough. It kind of demoralizes you. But maybe on the no sea side, did that make you excited? Or like, oh, this is going to be crunchy. Or was oh, it the yeah. opposite? No, no. <laughs> no, it was, oh, I think at the time I was mainly concerned in, trying to make sure that mine went well um rather than like you know i was i was excited for a good scrap um but again like my most of my concern on the skirmish was keeping track of everyone trying to position people like and generally coordinate um and then in my and then in my downtime just one shot some majors um <laughs> 360 no scope jumping off a log yeah, nice yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um and yeah like i would have loved to like grab the spear and Gone up and poked some etiquettes, um, but you know, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the the, ta yeah. the tactical weight of knocking out some of the mages is, is I'd argue, greater than the uh, greater than the etiquettes. <laughs> yeah, but, we had um, there was something similar that kicked off a few years ago, uh, a few years pre-COVID. It's quite I was quite new at this point. There was yeah. a, I think this was when there was an undead army walking around in dawn in fever water. So oh, these the the, the um. The uh the winter house. Yeah, them. In the river water, yeah. Um, because that's kind of part of my character backstory. So oh, nice. Oh, yeah. We uh, <laughs> we got on a few of those. There was there was three skirmishes at night. This was like the autumn equinox. It was starting to actually get dark in the evening because yeah. there weren't any night skirmishes last event. These the ones I was talking about like ages ago. Um, you, you don't worry, you didn't miss out. But um, the fever water skirmishes. Started off with the Brass Coast going in for a party of 20, because Anvil was a lot quieter back then, um, relatively. 20 Freeborn went in, 
until 15 came out screaming, terrified, and otherwise rattled. And losing five people on the skirmish was a lot. And then the local Dornish party was like, gosh, well, right, we're going to go in and, you know, batter these, you know, batter these fucking whites is what we were fighting. So they all got tooled up in their armor and brought a bunch of priests with them. About four of them come back out. Just again, screaming, terrified, oh. lamenting their houses. And we, we were sat there as the third group to go in, all Navarre. And we were staring, like, oh, you see, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I see, we are shitting ourselves. <laughs> we are sat there with our, you know, our light tunics on and our knives. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we're so dead. And we, <laughs> we, um, we went through the gate and literally made a defensive wall on the other side of it. We didn't go into the woods. We heard some howling and some screeching. Our commander was like, nah, <laughs> we came yeah. back through. So to our shame, we did, might have run from a fight. But I, I guess to go back to the point on like the, the Valorn spooking you out and seeing other skirmishers and other groups get absolutely wrecked, it's, you know, it's very fun. But at the same time, it really has a heavy impact on how your character behaves as well. And that kind of... It's, is fun, fear, the right way to describe it? Because you're not actually afraid because you know it's laughing right but your oh, character yeah. is very much afraid and you get that adrenaline spike yeah i mean there's it's, it's kind of a bit sad that um i don't i can't i if i go on a night if radi stories goes on a night skirmish they're kind of a bit useless i don't have any weapon skills other than marksman so night skirmish wise it's a bit it's not the best um i man i i need to get i like i because i did it at, um at at Walk Noise Pass. Um, I borrowed an old man's edge off of uh, uh, my um off of our thornborn and then was like spearing it up. And, mm. um, I love using a spear. Like <laughs> I do. I really do. And I like I sort of like like learned to fight it a bit like like a few months ago and then was like, man, why don't I use a spear? And I'm like, oh yeah, because I invested so much into archery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it is um no, I'm going to incriminate myself if I say that. But I know exactly what you mean with marksmanship being a particularly useful skill. It's useful, yeah, except when it's night time. Yeah, like, it's just, I, I understand it. Like a, oh, sorry, so for listeners, OC, um, PD don't allow you to use bows and crossbows on night skirmishes because there's, you know, safety. It's, it's, yeah, safety. Yeah, totally right, yeah. Yeah, but, um, um, and yeah, sa- same when it rains as well, I think they, they cut it. Yeah, because the um, arrows get soaked. Yeah. Um, become very like heavy. Um makes sense. Yeah, being hit with a wet like, sponge. Yeah. It's um but it's I I mean it's it's yeah. I, I, I really wanted to find myself on a night skirmish at Anvil, but yeah, I was in in the evening. It was a bit it was a bit all over the place. Especially like when I like like like, like heard some of them coming back on the Saturday. On the Saturday night night skirmishes. Oh, oh the oh, drama wh- of those. Which ones were those? Um, uh, Druge, um, exorcism, a lot of the stuff. So, Wraith. Oh, yes. Yep. Did you hear about the people coming through and attack, coming through the gate and then attacking everyone? I heard little, I literally heard it secondhand in a Marcher pub. But tell oh, me yeah. more. Yeah. Tell me yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so, a little my OC, so, for, actually, for context, a lot of Rod's Icy Friends as well were on that, well, not, were on that skirmish. <gasps> nice. And then, so it was the drama of, um, well, so Ravadi didn't see it, but heard about it later. The drama of seeing them come through the gate and seeing Ravadi's old Earl, so old Baldwin, 
and seeing um, uh, Iago, the person who gave everybody their first Liao dream, you know, and saw the threat of the Valorn, mm-hmm. um, and just basically like like having because they they basically came through the gate and thought everyone else was their enemies, and so they were coming through ah. and attacking as if they were enemies. And I think um, Iago particularly actually got out the gate and then all the way out to Wintermark before he got stopped. And I think he was kind of getting close on the timer on the timer of the the curse, where he almost would have become a wraith himself and then started turning other people. Oh my, that like, sounds that sounds. So there was a, I guess like a trail of corpses in their wake as they kind of like, oh. like 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 they like because it was happening at the same time as the Day of the Dead, the Highborn Day of the Dead. Oh no! <laughs> oh yes, of course the um. Oh we again. I, oh, I missed it. The um, that's the torch procession, isn't it? Yeah. And I feel ah, yeah. like, oh, that's awesome. So they they basically waltzed into a uh, a sensitive cultural event and started started swinging. Oh, you bet! Yeah, they came out the gate and then started Ooh. swinging because they were all like um like possessed, cursed sort of stuff. I've got a strong like Danny DeVito. So I started blasting, kind of, <laughs> just <laughs> just badly superimposed on the anvil gate, walking out, but with like a pair of crossbows and. <laughs> also, like, like, like they were they, they weren't exactly because obviously they were coming up on a light skirmish, but they weren't exactly like. They they weren't exactly um, like weak characters either. Like I think because Vito was there, and Vito's like a bajillion point character because he's an E one character, um, and like. And like uh, with a, with his massive shield and spear. Um, is that the Johnny? Is that the co- the Kohan, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, that is a scary, <laughs> scary, scary prospect. And then Max, who plays old Bolzner, he's an awesome battle mage. And then like and then they had like had, they had their own like physic and like so like um, uh, Emma plays um, Thea, was there like sort of like I love Thea, but Thea's been through so much. <laughs> Just yeah, and like that, like and this is all people that Rivadi knows. Uh, obviously, Vito Rivadi and Vito Rivadi. <laughs> complicated. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> what a word. <laughs> That's something I will approach you. I see. Like so, I've heard rumours. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, but oh just. I will, I I want to go on like I, yeah I went went on ice skirmishes at player events, like on Sit Quiet Glade, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh god. Night skirmishes are just so cool. Um oh, and yeah. then... <laughs> so cool, so dangerous. So cool, so dangerous, it's so easy to lose people. It's yep. like but man, oh so good. So so good. <laughs> yeah. Um Beyond the Valorn centric questions, um and I guess you you mentioned earlier there was there was two like highlights of the event. The first was timing in. And like, boom! I'm here. Let's rock and roll. What What was the second point? Oh, it was it was my um, it was the clemency plea that Hugh gave. Was this during the Rivali. the thing the thing that shall not be named, involving? Um. So it was the so Hugh uh so did a fucking incredible clemency plea. Um, and I'm honestly highlight like. Already, yeah. The highlight of my event was his speech. 
in the in Rivadi's trial, and Rivadi and um, Adason's trial. Um, and oh man, it was just so good. I I I can't really go into it for too much deep for like too much icy detail, but basically, so Huel um, used to be the Cardinal of the Way. Well, so my trial got rescheduled so many times um, because I had a clemency priest lined up the evening it happened and then the clemency priest for OC reasons was not around ah, fair enough. Trial. and so we had to find another one quickly Huel was around and we got Huel and then um, yeah so I tried to have my trial at midday on Saturday it ended up happening at 8 <laughs> I think half 8 on the Oof, Saturday damn. Um, it got rescheduled so it, it got rescheduled to half six, which is an hour after my um, skirmish going out. Um, so basically, I was like, right, I'll set up a skirmish and then come back after the after the skirmish to go to my trial, and then ended up waiting at the hub for two hours while the trial happened. Oh wow, gosh! Yeah. Did they did they say to you like, oh, you know, come back later, or was it? Well, no, because because I was out half six and my clemency priest. We sort of waited for like half an hour. Yeah, it was OC reasons why I couldn't be there. Ah, but, gotcha. Um, which is totally, totally fine. But yeah, I was waiting outside the hub for two hours. But to be fair, one hour of that was sanctuary and getting Huel up to speed. Because um, Huel wasn't sure he was gonna, if he was going to offer us clemency plea. So we Ooh. basically had to tell him our side and then convince him. Was it one of those pieces of RP where it is like a, like a hero speech from Lord of the Rings or something? It's inspiring and you stare at wonder at that person's character and you're like, wow, that... That's really good. <laughs> it was it, no, yeah, totally. It was. It was like it was like I was listening to it. and I was like, "Fuck, that's so good." <laughs> that speech, and it was like I had this like awe, and I was like, "Man, that is a like fucking great feels." Because it was like, because the whole time, obviously, Ravadi was like trying to convince people that they were doing it for the right reasons. Um, Ravadi has lost friends over the whole matter, and is very upset about the whole thing. But basically. And the Navarre in them is basically actions have consequences, and if and these are the consequences is if my if my former friends don't like me now because of my actions, that's the consequences, and I have to accept that, and I do accept that. The whole time with the whole thing, it was basically is that I know is from a value perspective, is really like I know this is a virtuous thing. I can't believe what I believe and not act. And I know that there is no alternative way. I basically had all the tick, the box ticked for boxes ticked for a clemency plea, <laughs> and basically was ready. I was like, I can't not act, um, and I will accept the consequences of what happens. And in this case, a number of friends, dear friends from player events that Rivali has, now are like, screw you, absolutely just never talk to me again um, gosh because I, I I won't spill any of the beans but um, from what I understand of this event I think Rivadi was in the right but maybe my character being on your side is a red flag rather than a green one <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think whether 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 is in the right is definitely an icy thing to, <laughs> to hit with a, depending on whose saw whose story you heard kind of depends on whose because they're gonna, but depending on whose story you heard, will shape your icy opinion. 
uh, on what happened. Um, After we but, finish recording, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll see how but, close I am. But basically, it's having that, having that sort of like Rivadi being like, I'll accept the consequences of my actions, even if that's execution, right? Mm-hmm. Rivadi knows that what they, in their mind, from their interpretations of the virtue they follow, that it was virtuous. And if that, if the consequences of that, they'll accept it. Mm. Um, which I think, um, which actually goes down a exemplar that Navarre as a nation holds in very high esteem. And it's the exemplar that Huel chose to talk about and name when giving the clemency plea. And having that moment, because Huel was like, I'd never mention this exemplar when people do this. This is the first time I've ever used that exemplar in a clemency plea, but you've convinced me that, that I should. Is it a um, certain exemplar that might also be cropping up for another reason? It might, yes. Mm. It might mm. definitely be another <laughs> exemplar. Yeah. It's, has got two exemplars they hold in high esteem and they try to follow an example of, and that's one of them. And the other one is fairly obvious, uh, given the virtue they follow, but yeah. Hmm. Scratching, scratching my chin here, like, damn, I need to pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, um, and yeah. you, you know that's that trial's all over now. That's you, you, you're scot free. You're yeah. Well, free. yeah, we've had our fine. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, look, look, <clears throat> I'm saying it's different than our fines. It's it, the Anvil legal system is. Uh, oh, oh, there's no polite word for it. Genuinely, <laughs> the, I'm, the only reason I'm pretty sure the only reason that our fine was so high is because it was fairly fresh after you did your thing. And Uh-oh. our fine was, and our fine was um, another group of Navari doing, doing stuff, right? So <laughs> I feel like that's the reason our fine was kind of a bit. You know? It's like, hey, 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 hey! I've seen your lot in here already today. Don't you be coming back in? <laughs> what have you done now? <laughs> what have you done now? Right, no more slaps um, on the wrist. <laughs> but also, but I think what what yours your charge with assault would have been. Um. Ooh, so our charge was att- well, our charge was attempted murder, which I think is probably why the differential was what it was. Yeah, because because if you weren't actually going to trying to murder them, because oh, that's another thing is the militia. Oh, I, I, I feel like I'm talking about this too much. <laughs> um, but this is the other thing is the militia tried to say get us to rephrase our like um our account of the crime. And when we gave our, and I gave it when when like Rivali was like, no, I'm not taking the lesser charge. I fully attempted to murder them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm imagining you saying that, you know, eyes steeled into theirs. Like I killed, I wanted to kill them. <laughs> that, yeah, that's basic. To be fair, yeah, no, I wanted to kill them. Was basically what Rivali said. Oh, hardcore, hardcore. <laughs> and the militia officer's like, wow. Damn. <laughs> uh, double down, double back down. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The um, like the way the way I guess. Virtuous action. Okay. I want to disclaim this. <laughs> the um, I I guess for people listening in who don't know about the um, like the the way the legal the legal system works at Anvil, um, they are inquisitorial. So what happens is they go off and find evidence until they think they know what happened. Now they could totally fudge this and spend five minutes listening to gossip in a tavern or spend you know four hours interrogating people and often it's somewhere in the middle 
you don't get to defend yourself unless you plead guilty. So with both of us uh, and our uh, various, uh, I don't want to say criminal because we're not criminals, we're virtuous citizens, but uh, our, our uh, difficulties. Are both, are both convicted Damn it, okay. Us hardened <laughs> criminals. <laughs> We had to um, we had to um, admit we were guilty before we could use a clemency p, which is when a priest comes in and argues that our actions were virtuous and that we should be given a lesser sentence. And the, the mechanic behind this is to make sure that trials are really quick but very dramatic. So, you know, you walk into a trial, the first 10, maybe even 5 minutes, is a listing of crimes and dubious evidence to say that you did it, totally putting your character in the shit. And then your clemency priest comes in and saves the day with a impassioned and rousing speech. And uh, it's very exciting to be part of. But uh, that's when we're talking about our, you know, our, our, our pleas and being found guilty. Uh, what they'll do is ask you just to plead guilty. And then you can rely on your clemency priest. But it sounds like it kind of didn't go down the way they wanted it to in this scenario. Because they try and tell you to admit a lesser charge and then they you know, give you a way to wiggle off. Yeah, Usually. Ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. No, I, the militia though did a fucking incredible job. They didn't really have to do, like, in terms of, in terms of, they didn't exactly like have to like try and find us because, uh, it happened and then, Rivadi handed themselves in. Mm. So, <laughs> it was like it didn't really, you know, they didn't, they didn't like have to like come and find us, find out who did it. It was basically a case of, um, gathering all the witness like, statements. Mm. Um, but they did a fucking amazing job, and so thanks to them for it. Were the were the witness statements uh, accurate, or um, accurate enough? Because we had some hilarious ones for mine. <laughs> <laughs> the witness statements. The witness statements. Um, uh, were some conflicting stuff, but that is again that's all I see stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. Fantastic, yeah. Uh, without going, I won't go into. There's another episode on this around my one, but <laughs> this the one I can't get over is the uh, the description of three black and hooded cloaked assailants running off together, and I was like, who made that I up? Heard <laughs> <of> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I heard about, about what went down. Yeah, like, question about it basically like instantly after it happened. I was like, what? What you got questioned? Like, You're in the bar, aren't you? What do you know? And I'm like. Huh. <laughs> Give us that. Like, what's our suspect? An Avarian archer. Like, that narrows it down. <laughs> Great. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, I guess my not final question, but final, like final handful, were actually going to be around your costume and design. Uh, for those of you listening in, uh, you might have heard me say already that uh, Rivadi's got some fucking awesome kit. And you've actually decided to start taking like a few commissions. You've got plenty on your plate at the moment, um, which is super awesome. They all look fantastic. I was going to ask you, like, how did you get into, you know, sewing, leather work, that kind of design, um, and that kind of kind of like creative process? So, I uh, before I go into that, I had no experience sewing. Um, I basically decided uh, that I basically like everyone. I was like, hey, I've watched some YouTube videos on this. I can do this right. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and uh, decided to save some money by making myself some LARP kit. Because um, I've been looking around and I was like, oh, the stuff that I want to wear for my... This is, this is when I was, was going to be in Dawn. And I was like, so I was like oh, the stuff I want to wear 
is like I can I, I'm looking at it online. I'm like, oh, that's like it's like hundreds like, of pounds it's like for 40, like, like that's yeah. like sixty quid for like a plain white dress. Oof. Oh, oh, I could I could make that for that materials for like twenty quid. Yeah, let's go. Uh, and then you know, and then I did so so. First project I made when when I was testing out the sewing machine because I borrowed a sewing machine. Oh, nice. Off of a family friend, and which actually they then later gifted to me and is now my sewing machine. Oh, fantastic! I've been using that for two years now. Um, uh, so that sewing machine I made a tabard. Was our first thing, um, and then made a cloak, like a like a, like a lined circle cloak, um, and then. Then I made my Dornish coat, which actually was fully hand sewn, because the material would not go through. The oh God! Oh, <laughs> oh, ouch! Okay. Oof, oh, yikes. I actually, actually, I uh, hilariously, I I sewed some scissors into it, like into the between the lining and the coat uh, fabric. <laughs> um, that was funny. Um, now just I to cut the thread. Wait. Uh, I, I I got the scissors out. I just you know I was like I I, got, I finished the project. And I was like, where are my scissors? And I picked up the coat. And so the coat was a bit heavy, and I was like, wait, that's <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Um. And then so yeah, the coat. Um. Then I made some dresses. So I made an underdress. Um. Out of just some cotton. And I decided it would be. I was stupid enough to then work with some velvet. Oh. Uh, which even worse, it was stretch velvet. Oh. <laughs> Basically, I was like, "Ah, oh, velvet, cheap, yay!" It's not crushed velvet. So I was like, "It was like, it was like, it was just um stretch, not crushed velvet, because crushed velvet looks a bit eh in my mind." So I was like, "Right, I'll get some not crushed velvet." Um, and like tried to sew it, like trying to like sew that velvet was my. The, I was like, "What have I done?" It made an alright looking dress, like the dress, like you know, shiny velvet looks lovely. But, oh, it was the worst the worst idea imaginable um and then uh some things happened but i didn't start designing some market um i think um i'm trying to think oh and then i sort of started taking some commissions so i made something made a made a made a cloak for someone like a, just another half circle cloak um so this cloak's quite simple oh nice um, uh, when you say half circle is like it won't go around the front of them um no so it goes basically on the shoulders it doesn't go fully round them um, but it depends on it depends on how you cut it, how big the neckline is that you cut, um, really. Um, but in this case, it sort of it goes over their shoulders, and then will pin across the front across their chest. Gotcha. Um, With that one, there's like classic, so like Celtic, like it's a, it's a very classic cloak. Gotcha. Um, it's a very simple pattern as well, so very easy for people to do. Recommend it as a starting project. Um, and then. Uh, and then started making my Navarre stuff. I my Navarre stuff I decided to make better decisions with, um, <laughs> using all natural fabrics, um, linen, cotton, wool, mo mostly linen and wool. Okay. Uh, great fabrics to work with. Work with. I've made the questionable decision to start my Navarre coat, um, which I decided to hand embroider all of it. Uh, completed that coat coat. Uh, a year after I started it, because um, I'm doing this all alongside uni work as well, mm -hmm. um, because uh, that coat took a hundred hours of hand embroidery. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> Oof! Oh. Um, 
Did you? Ninety six like, was the time we were back. Gosh, did you like? I guess your fingers kind of have like little six packs on them. After that, I've oh. I've, only, <laughs> I've only done a bit of sewing for like pouches and seams, like for leather work. But yeah. you know, doing that for a couple of hours, your hands like cramping by the end. So, a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm very happy with how the clo the coats turned out. Um, but I've made yeah all of mine and the last stuff, and then now uh, I did I've done a couple pieces of commission work. Uh, something I finished just for E1 was. Um, a lovely silk coat. That project was quite a long one because I found it was quite a complex project for me to take on and I probably took it on a bit too sooner than I should have. Uh -huh. um, but I got it finished and learned a lot of learning experiences from it and now it looks really good. Uh, that took a lot of the designing, a lot of, the, lot of that was the designing, the painting work to go on that coat. Oh, for like the Wintermark runes? Um, uh, so I can send you a picture of the silk coat if you want. Okay, I'll audio describe it to uh, everyone else. <laughs> yeah. um, it's um, uh, it's it's quite a uh, complex um, bit of bit of kit. In the pattern is not that bad because it's basically just a. I think the the difference with that one was trying to do something purely off of someone's measurements for the first time. Because a circle cloak you can kind of get away with. But a a coat is purely off of someone's measurements. Oh, so is this like across the shoulders and like how? No, this is a coat. This is a full full coat. Um. Oh my goodness! So uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, so it's a suede, <laughs> wow. it's a suede coat, uh, and then fully lined with fur, uh, because the person who asked it off me is a madman, and I did try and convince him out of it. Um. But it's basically, it's got, so down the arms, it's got a sort of like, kind of, um, tapestry. I took inspirations from sort of Inuit artwork, mm -hmm. which is one of the inspirations for Suak Brief. For like, um, uh, oh, yeah, it like looked... to, tell, to tell the character's story and then interface and then a lot of runes and animal imagery. Mm. Um, and which, which rune is that on the, on the elbow? So it's the, the one with the, the dag or the curve and then a little star uh, in the centre. They have, they have um, I, I can't remember exactly what runes they are, but they're all day runes because he's a day mage. Ah, fantastic. Um, and the ones that are the most prominent are the ones that the character feels most inclined to. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful coat. Um, it, it, you know, like, like you said, it just screams Suat. You know, the second second it popped up. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that was I think that's one of the projects I'm most proud of because I took it on fairly early, and so it was quite difficult as a like an early project commission, an early commission that I did. Um, oh, the antlers on the back as well. Oh, wow. But but now, the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's mint. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. I love it. Oh, God, I bet he was happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Um, but now, now I'm sort of you know taking on more commissions. I've I've done uh, a bit of work for um, project I finished last week was a lovely Ruskin tunic, um, which I'm super happy with. Uh, used some amazing amazing fabric for that. Um, so my boyfriend plays in Ruska, and so he's been helping a lot with the Ruskin brief. That's why I recognise him. Yeah, because I, I recognise him a little bit at um, what the longest path. Because he was crewing, yeah, wasn't he? he was crewing. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I've seen you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he had a he had a he had a very silly time crewing. Um, 
uh, walked along as fast as a, as a great event. Oh yeah, like it. Oh, I, I've I've still got part two of that, I guess, dissection to do with my my striding. But yeah, that was yeah. really top quality event. Top quality event. Again, can't see the smile on my face, but ah, uh, oh, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, it was a, it was a great event. But now, yeah, now now, in terms of designing kit, um, I think yeah, I just I I I'm I've just basically just been trying to teach myself. I hundred percent only did it when I started to save money on LARP kit. Um, and I still do now is that I like look at LARP kit and I'm like, I can make that. Mm. Um, and now it's sort of getting more into where can I push the boundaries of my skills. So I've got some plans to work on some quite nice Navari layers for myself because it's coming into summer and I need some layers that are nice because I won't be able to wear my coat and my cloak because those are like the keys. Those are quite, the, those are my nice bits of kit for yeah. my kit. Um, and I won't be able to wear them in summer, so I need to have some nice layers, under layers, you know, for my kit now. Oh yeah, so get like, that, like, get the... Where can I, yeah. I kind of want to, so my next bits of what I want to work on for my kit, is, is, uh, a separate from commissions, is um, working on textual, textual work. So I want to have some braided fabric, I want to have some like smocking, so to like, like work off of like Navarre half magic with braiding. I want to kind of do textual work to make it look like there are actual vines like on my clothes instead of just like embroidered ones. So there's a tech there's a technique you can do with like actual like twisting fabric and hand sewing it down onto onto clothes, which I'm hoping will look quite nice. Oh yeah. You'll um I've forgotten the name of it, but there's a league magazine that does, you know, the fashion of the looking uh, glass. That's it, the looking glass. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, see some of your entries appearing in that, maybe, setting the uh, setting being a trendsetter, I guess, for the uh, Navari summer fashion. I don't know. I think there's actually um, someone was talking online uh, about uh, doing a Navar fashion show. Ooh. Um, uh, a Navar specific fashion show. Uh, I don't think Rivali really in for a chance because Rivali knows of some very very good Navar kit out there. Um, but, but. You know, we can we can just have some nice kit. Yeah, get out on the. I just, I just want to have some nice kit. Yeah, get out on the like I said, the catwalk, the trod walk, I guess, and show it yeah, off. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I would. Yeah, that'd be really fun. That'd be a that'd be a really interesting event to see. Cause there are so, I mean, your kit's great. Um, I oh, I got my tunics or commissioned years ago, and I love it to pieces. Yeah, and great. oh, thanks. There's um. And there's loads of people with some really cool kit, and especially if there's a chance to like show it off, you get to see it all in one place. That would be that'd be awesome. I mean, my my ba my bane is that I don't have an embroidery machine. Uh, at one point, if I get enough money, I want to send some money at Rosemary and get Rosemary to chuck some of my stuff under an embroidery machine. And <laughs> yeah, she did my she did my tunic. Yeah, it's oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the uh, I haven't got the skill set to describe it, but. Uh, would you, is there anything else you would need beyond that point, you reckon? Or at that point, would you be like a pinnacle sewing? Well, I'll have an embroidery machine. Yeah. Oh. No, there's a load of, uh, like sewing is a, like, and sewing and making your own kit is, is kind of a whole wheelhouse. It's a, it's, it goes very far into the rabbit hole. Um, cause there is, there's, um, um, you can go down into like weaving and stuff. Um, is this, oh, with the, um, with looms 
Yeah, so you can Ooh. like weave your own fabric in certain patterns. Um, you can weave. You can just you can just do tablet weaving. So make your own trim with patterns in it. Um, like and like like I want to go more into yeah. My next step is like do, to do like textual work and like smocking. Um, I I I think my my challenge next is someone wants to commission me to make them a doublet. And for those people who know sewing, that is quite the challenge. Um, uh, I'm still debating taking that up uh, because I'm not sure how well I'll be able to do it. But I'm I think I probably will because that is that is quite something is, to do a doublet. Is that the same as an arming doublet? Not not necessarily. Uh, I'm more a leagueish. I'm thinking about a leagueish, um, very fancy doublet. Puff gotcha. sleeves, slashes, uh, a lot of velvet, bright colours. Oh no, not 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 necessarily bright colours. Depending on which city you're from. <laughs> um, I've looked too much into this now. Um, <laughs> but like, I think the doublet bit, that I think the puff sleeves and the making it very fitted, kind of, that is something that. To, to make something to fit something to someone, when they only give you a few numbers, is is quite intimidating. Mm. Um. Uh, so, we'll see how it goes. Really. Nice. So I've just um, as we've been going through, I've been googling some of these terms and. Yeah. Yeah. No way. No way in hell I can make that. <laughs> <laughs> like that is. Oh, that is a bit more than a tepid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, my final question for you. Uh, a little bit generic, so I, I do apologise in advance. But since you're, despite the impact you've had on the game so far and the player events you've been to, I would class you as a new player to Anvil. Mm. Having done an event now, do you have any key pieces of advice you would give to new players who were thinking of trying it out? Um. Oh, I think I think the bit that the bit of advice that you probably hear like over and over again is that I certainly over over and over again in that the bits that I've had the most fun with at least is picking some strong opinions and just going for it I think the advice is it was was just generally just go for it throw yourself into it I've had a fucking whale of a time throwing myself into into everything you're not going to be able to keep up with everything um, so picking something that you love and just going hard is is great fun. It's uh, absolutely great fun. Um, yeah, like I said, I I started out with just a few concepts of like I knew I wanted to be interested in the lawn, and I picked like vigilance as a virtue to be interested in, and both of them have led me down some like wild adventures. <laughs> it's been amazing fantastic uh, that's that's a really good one uh, the one I hear most often is stay hydrated um, oh yeah totally yeah that, that as soon as yeah. the temperature yeah, peaks that, that's 20 that's degrees to oh it's just end, it's just endless <laughs> but it oh, is no. worth repeating but uh, oh, no, yeah. yeah hail hydration is a call I've heard many times um, that's, that's awesome go for it but you know I think the one thing I was upset about that I didn't do at Anvil is that I had to, you know, keep going back to my tent to like fill up my water bottle that I was carrying around with me. Um, but I had my tankard on with me, you know, and I had coins in my pocket. Why the fuck wasn't I going to like a bar or 
or like an, an ICT house. That's what I wanted to do, you know? I was like, why the hell wasn't I just going and, and buying drinks from people? You buffoon. <laughs> oh, so having like the ta- like a tankard strap and your own your own mug oh, yeah. to go around. Oh, it's it's so cool. This I wish I wish I were out like just walking into a pub with your own tankard and asking you know, the bartender <laughs> to just to fill it up. It's all it's awesome. It's it's your oh, tankard, it's yeah. It's so convenient. So yeah. Convenient. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, tankard. Need a tankard. Yeah, the um, and I guess you know, you've you've done a fantastic job of this as well. Uh, when I've chatted to some new people. I think a lot of people get very tempted by the armor and the weaponry, but the way to have a good time is to stay warm and dry, and for that, you know, focus on like you like you've got with your underlayers and the like. If you've got a few, you know a couple of different tunics like you've sewn together or you've bought or you've got from a charity shop, that kind of thing, um, you know, staying, having a few things to change into and just being comfortable is the big win. And yeah. then throwing when you throw yourself into something, you get into a nice and. Uh, spicy debate with someone in the hub or uh, you're being hounded through the streets of Anvil by the militia for for said opinion uh, yeah doing it nice and quick <laughs> yeah. awesome well well Rivardi thank you so much That's, I, I don't have a very good IC voice but thank you so much for taking the time um, it's been absolutely fascinating to find out I guess well, not everything about you but uh, some of the the OG origin story the uh you know some vague allusions to what you're going to be getting up to next time and uh i've certainly got a um a few questions to follow up with at e2 only a couple yeah. weeks away now right yeah it's only three weeks is it three no no it's two weeks two weeks tomorrow <gasps> <gasps> yes no. i hate it <laughs> <laughs> i love it and i hate it <laughs> If I didn't have Walk Along His Path, I would have been very upset. Mm. Walk Along His Path was just great for just hangouts. Oh, yeah. That's so good. (laughs) Alright, well, dear listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us through this wild and adventurous tale. If, again, you would like to be regaled, I don't know, listen to the podcast or something, I ran out of rhymes. See you all next time. (laughs) 